welcome to this episode of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. This is a sample of our recent bonus episode, usually only available to members. These episodes are comprised of our crew of researchers, Amanda and myself, all getting together for a roundtable discussion on topics that we find interesting. So here's a few minutes for free so you can know what all the fuss is about. This whole show, like, I mean, it's called Alone. And the the lesson of the show is that you can't do it. Like, mm-hmm. what was it? Was a hundred days was the longest anyone survived? Yeah, alone. Sure. And there was the talk about the need for uh, a bunch of help after the show was over, reintegrating society because you know marriages were lost, relationships were ruined. Like they did get the yeah. stipend for the job, but just like being back in the world was difficult after doing this for only a hundred days, leaving mm-hmm. society for a hundred days can just ruin you as a person. These people were like I've said, starving to death. One person lost 90 pounds. Mm-hmm. I thought about it. that's like half an adult person. Like mm-hmm. they losing this much weight that it shows really how much you need other people to survive. But it also like conflicts with this idea of all the like the popular shows like the you know the walking dead all this post apocalyptic show like and i think really part of the fantasy of that is you can be away from people you don't need people which is mm-hmm. exactly that it's a fantasy it's not real but the part of the show like there i think it was the last quote from one of the articles it says i'll have moments of depression when i think about how i probably won't get to do that again and it's a contestant talking about like their time on the show and now after they're back. You're out there and your biggest worries are staying warm, finding food, boiling water. It just feels like true freedom to me. I didn't hear that and think that sounds like freedom. That sounds awful. That sounds like you're just surviving. But what he's actually talking about is that all the other bullshit of life is away. And what you're really focused on is just the basics of life. And to me, what I heard was that sounds like freedom with a bunch of other people that you can share that with, mm-hmm. share the task with, and just go about life without all this outside stuff that constantly puts us in anxious anxiety, like triggers our fight and flight instincts when there should be no need for it. When you're out there, all that actually makes sense. You are surviving. So, Freedom seemed like the wrong word, but I did understand, I think, what he was trying to say. And, like, our society is, it's overly complex. It's its removed from nature in a lot of ways that don't need, like, you can go a whole day in a city and not see something green. And that doesn't make any sense. So, like, the- Probably a Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, sorry, go, sorry, go on. Yeah. But, like- the desire to get back into touch with nature makes it makes total sense to do it alone is it's psychotic to me. Yeah. Like you, why would you want to be alone? Perfect transition. Mm-hmm. That, that that's, that takes us to my, my favorite line from, from the article, uh, the vulture article and to our next topic. Uh, the quote is, but alone itself is a rich, complicated political object one could read it as a fundamentally libertarian show grounded in its celebration of self-reliance. 
But given how the competition ultimately ends in bodily decline, one could equally read it as an indirect critique of libertarianism. No person is an island, which I think is the correct interpretation. But speaking of getting in touch with nature, uh, we do have to make time for our last topic, which is talking with whales using artificial (laughs) intelligence. Because, I mean, who's that going to benefit? I'm not. I mean, no, no, no. I I don't mean to poo-poo it. Like, I mean, exploration and information for the sake of broadening the mind. And I I get all that. And actually, part part of the argument of this article is sort of like the birth of the save the whales movement it was like before people ever heard whale songs they had no idea that whales like had anything going on other than being big dumb lumbering beasts who ate stuff in the in the ocean and then they realized oh wait animals like think a little bit maybe we should care about them and so using ai to talk to whales they are hoping takes that to the next level. And it's not really just about whales. It's about all animals. And the, and the, the dream is that this is how we can create a total shift in consciousness that helps save life on earth. Because if we can hear what animals are saying and sort of decode what they are saying, then we will realize, Oh, maybe we should give a shit about something on earth other than ourselves. That's the argument. Any thoughts on that? the recording of the whales in the sixties, like transformed the movement. It didn't, it was a huge deal. It like went from they're on the edge of extinction to they're coming back. We're implementing, you know, endangered species laws We're curbing whaling, you know, like, I mean, it was huge. It made a transformational jump. And I think many people think that this would do the same on another level. I think there's probably a little bit of, techno optimism going on there but i'll I'll save my comments for when we get a little into the actual article the piece that i I plucked out i i mean i am interested in hearing aaron's uh, undoubtedly optimistic thoughts about uh how techno optimism is going to play out what i really wanted to focus on is this bit here that i'll read but what is it like to be a whale what thoughts do you think? What feelings do, do you feel? These are much harder things for scientists to know. If you're a female sperm whale, you click to your clanmates to coordinate who's watching whose baby. Meanwhile, the babies babble back. You live on the go, constantly swimming to new waters, cultivating a disposition that is nervous and watchful. If you're a male humpback, you spend your time singing alone in icy polar waters, far from your nearest companion. To infer loneliness, though, would be a human's mistake. For a whale whose voice reaches across oceans, perhaps distance does not mean solitude. Perhaps, as you sing, you are always in conversation. Michelle Fournette wonders, how do we know whales would want to talk to us anyway? What she loves most about humpbacks is their indifference. This animal is 40 feet long and weighs 75,000 pounds, and it doesn't give a shit about you. Every breath it takes is grander than my entire existence. So that stuck out to me and, and leads to further conversation. But Aaron, tell us about your uh, 
your thoughts on techno optimism? I mean, I don't want to like doom scroll or doom say this, <laughs> but it kind of, I don't know. I think talking about it on a surface level of us trying to talk to animals was very like, I don't know, just not well thought out, not a well-rounded argument to me. Like, I see a lot of garbage going out into the world now because they want to put these devices what in ocean so they can hear whales. And like, I think I see that the optimism is in like trying to see what animals are thinking and biologists who care about it. But like, I see it turning into something different. I, I don't think, even though Amanda, I do acknowledge that, listening to whale songs and stuff like that changed how people felt about it. I think we're very selective. So if this turns into like all animals, you can know what they're thinking. All I can think is like the uptick in tourism related to this. So come to our zoos, come to our aquariums. We'll have a little translator for you. Like I just see the human aspect of it because humans, like we're going to capitalize on it. We're not going to let it just be this very amicable friendship with us and whales, like <laughs> it's not going to go that way. Like I do think yeah. that capitalism comes in and it'll take over and then there will be, you know, ads when you download these or like there will just, <laughs> it'll keep progressing until it's so distorted. And I don't think it's actually ever going to help animals because as the humpback doesn't care about interacting with us, I think a lot of animals feel that way. Or if they interact with us, it might be out of necessity because we've tore down their, you know, trees and shit. So now they're on the streets with us. us. What if we learned that animals are assholes and it makes us hate them? (laughs) And then all of a sudden we're eating a different animal that we didn't eat before. Like, yeah, I agree. Well, so on that point, a couple points, but like that paragraph that you just read, Jay, about, you know, what is it like to be a whale out in the icy ocean alone? We are so different from them that it will be like communicating with aliens for the first time. I think that is the only real true comparison. We can't anticipate because they are so different. We cannot anticipate what this is going to be like. We think we know because we always frame everything as they must think like humans do. You know, if you're not a biologist and understand it deeply, I think a lot of people imagine, you know, that they're from their pets to wild animals are having like the same conversations that they're having just in a different way. And that's not it. It's going to be wildly different. And once we, if we actually contact in the way that we're talking about and have some kind of dialogue, we're not going to understand it. We're we're not going to have the framing for it. So then we're going to be misunderstanding which as we all know is just the basis for atrocities. (laughs) And for those Star Trek fans out there, like this is the prime directive in Star Trek, right? The prime directive is that you won't interact with a species who hasn't reached the technological advancement that you have because you may screw up their society. I'm summarizing and I'm sure that there are some Trekkies out there who aren't happy with that definition, but that's my, that's my loose definition for the the point of the discussion. And that's kind of where we are with these animals. We're, we're going to inter put ourselves into their world in a way we're already part of their world, but we're going to really interject ourselves into their world, into their communication, expect something, misunderstand everything and then 
And then what? Because if we're talking to whales, why aren't we talking to pigs and cows and the things that we actually consume? We will. What is the difference, right? So like, what is, right. So why are we, the idea that like talking to whales is this like beautiful commune, you know, oh, isn't this lovely? Is because we're not eating whales anymore. We're not killing them on large scale like we used to. So that like feels beautiful. But what about all the other animals? <laughs> it's more obvious that we're destroying them. And even if they could communicate on a level to tell us how they're feeling about our destruction of their habitat and their, you know, species, none of this is going to lead to anything that humans know how to comprehend and know how to do something positive about and know how to like digest with any reasonable, like thoughtful understanding. So, I, you know, I'm as dark as you are, Aaron, about like where this is going to go. I think it actually could make humans worse if that's possible. <laughs> Dion, are you going to bring the positivity here? No, I'm not going to bring the positivity. <laughs> or am I going to have to? <laughs> you, you, you're going to have to bring the positivity. Oh, okay. Because full disclosure, this hit me while I have seen, I don't know how many dead children videos at this point in, in my week and hearing such dehumanizing language from one human being about another human being calling them animals. And to think that communicating with animals would make us care about animals when we don't care about other human beings, because we can communicate with each other and we do horrendous things to each other. So I'm not sure why thinking that being able to talk to a whale would make other people care about it. I, I get the instinct. It seems great. Like it's a cool idea, but we've got so much work to do about communicating to each other before I think we should ever spend any time trying to communicate with an entire another species. Like it sounds, sounds great. If, if the idea is that it's going to help us fix climate change or stop destroying their habitat. Great. That's a great idea. Let's do that with each other today. Let's, let's start that now because we're not doing that. And this article just, it made me mad. It's not the right word, but like despondent. <laughs> I don't, like it's just, I've just really like, I, you know, I'm in a pretty dark place. I've spent the last, you know, X amount of weeks looking at the same news that we've all looked at and thinking like, oh, we're in a really bad state as a species. So I think we should spend a lot more energy fixing us before we start trying to communicate with whales and figure out, hey, how's, how's your life? <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll bring the positive spin. I think humans like animals more than they like other humans. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's a chance. There's a chance that we might try to save the world for the sake of animals more than we would try to save it for ourselves. <laughs> and in terms of communicating with animals, I care so much less with being able to talk back to them than to be able to hear what they are saying to each other. I just want to wiretap animals <laughs> and they don't need to be talking to us or they don't need to be able to say to us how they feel about us for humans. I, and, and the, the save the whales movement and the, the birth of that is, is the 
Like that is what gives hope because we've already seen it happen. We've already seen people react overwhelmingly to a new insight about animals they just simply didn't have before. And if you extrapolate that out to all animals, obviously including the ones we eat, well, not very many of us on this call still eat animals, but there shouldn't be a limit. Like, yeah, we should, we should hear what all of them are saying. I think it is really difficult to imagine how big of a change that would have in people's mindset related to animals. And, you know, in terms of like, what would we do with that information? We actually know, like we know how to not destroy the environment. We know how to not eat animals we don't need to eat. And so it's just about motivation at this point. That's it for today's free sample. There's lots more of that particular episode, as well as there being dozens of past bonus episodes that you get access to in your feed the minute you sign up as a new member. Pain members are who make this entire show possible, and so these bonus episodes are a fun way to say thanks to them for their support. In addition to those full bonus episodes, members also get bonus clips in every single regular episode, as well as there being no ads in the regular show. If you would like to be our newest member, you can sign up at bestoftheleft.com slash support. You can use our Patreon page, or you can do it from right inside the Apple Podcast app, and links to get there are right in our show notes. And if you can't afford membership, I offer free financial hardship memberships. Just drop me an email to j at bestoftheleft.com, and we will get you set up, no questions asked. Or, again, to sign up and support the show and our ability to give away free financial hardship memberships, visit us at bestofleft.com support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.